father's table. An introspective look and conversation about our fathers and how they shaped our lives. Welcome back to the father's table. Um, this is a, an unusual episode uh, for several reasons, but I'll, I'll probably uh, detail that in the synopsis of this episode. Um, but I just want to move forward. There's a very special episode um, because it's done remotely. And also, um, we have a guest who is someone I have not met in person uh, named Rocky Malloy. Uh, and we've met through a mutual friend and I, I, from talking to her, you know, trying to orga- organize something with the mutual friend, uh, her story was very, you know, it kind of, uh, just caught my attention. I was like, you know, I think you might be a good guest for the show. <laughs> so, uh, I asked her to come on the show and share and she's agreed to do it, which is a blessing. So uh, I want to. Just welcome, Rocky. Welcome to the Father's Table. Wow. Thank you so much, Keith, for having me. It is an absolute pleasure. And it's kind of a shock because I, like you said, we were trying to plan and coordinate this with a mutual friend. And he is really busy with his book. And he's trying to get his book out where, you know, he's really not doing anything else right now. But I was like, hey, I'll... If you if you find my story interesting, I'll sure. I I think my story is pretty boring, but if it helps people, then sure. You know, this is this is awesome. Thank you for this opportunity. Oh man, no no problem. I I don't think it's boring. I think it's pretty cool. Um, but we're gonna <laughs> share. Um, so what I do is uh, normally I try to ask our guests to send a bio so I can learn a little bit about them. And then we'll ask questions and things like that. And reading through your bios was really like, wow, uh, this is this is going to be a great talk. And I'm sure I can learn a lot from it. Um, but the common thread between Rocky and I is our faith. Uh, that's something we share mm-hmm. in. Um, and normally, to open up the shows, I, want, I like to do this exercise. So Rocky, I'm going to ask you to do this exercise. Uh, okay. So here we go. So first thing, I would like you to close your eyes, mm-hmm. take three deep breaths, <sighs> okay, now tell me what comes to mind when you think about your father, the first thing, it could be anything, just tell me what comes to mind. Ooh, it's not a good thought, no, no, but no, the first, yeah, please. anything, okay. Uh, incarceration is the very first thought that comes to my mind when I think about my dad. Mm-hmm. And, and I read in the bio, that's because your father was incarcerated or is incarcerated to this day. Is that correct? Um, Actually, he got out. He got out. Um, I think in November of 2018, he was released. He was doing a hard 15 years of uh, selling cocaine. I think he was snitched on and they said, well, you're just as guilty. So um, I've never met him. And most of my childhood up into my adulthood, he's mostly been in jail and he'll contact me from Maryland jail and stuff. But he is for cocaine stuff. So, yeah. Okay, and how old were you when he went went to jail? Ooh, that's a very good question. Um, I know when I was a toddler, he was not in jail at the time. So I'm thinking maybe, ooh, I had to be uh, maybe, maybe 12 or 11 or even younger than that. But I know my mother would tell me that when, when I was a toddler, he was just in a whole different state and he would call me on the phone, but he got in jail in my younger years and stuff. And I would, would never see him, but I would hear him. He would call me from, you know, the telephone that would, you know, message that would say, call from the Roxbury prison jail. And I'm like, Oh, who's this? And I realized it was my dad, but yeah, he's been in there ever since I was a, I want to say a baby. That's what I want to say. But 
Gotcha. So when he wasn't in jail, you mentioned that you never really saw him or you never seen him or met him. So yes, I've never seen him or met him. Um, like my mom would, I guess, sent a, I guess she maybe gave him a picture of me. Uh, maybe my aunt did. My aunt would stay in contact with my dad, but I've never seen him. The only time I saw him was when he sent me a picture of himself from out of jail. And, you know, that wasn't even, you know, really seeing him. But I was like, oh, my dad's light skin. Is that where I get my light skinness from? I look nothing like my dad. I, I take after my mom more than my father. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you didn't grow up where it was like your father in the house interacting with your mother. That was just not the case. It was you and your mother and growing up, going through life for the most part. And your dad, it sounds like your dad would kind of touch base here and there from time to time to where it's just I, I guess you could say that. Um, yeah, my mother, unfortunately, was a single mom. And it was mostly my grandmother and my aunt that helped in raising me. They, we were all, I wouldn't say we, but they would take turns with me and stuff. Because my mom, you know, God bless her. She worked 20-some years in the Allegheny County Jail. So mm-hmm. she had to do the twilight shift. So she would never really be home. It was mostly she would sleep during the day and then working overnight. Right. But yeah, mostly I, I would go between my aunt and my grandmother's house, and uh, they I would call them my mom and dad. Those are my mom and dad, but, my, you know, yeah, my dad was never there, never met him. He was, he was just mostly a, a voice on the phone. And when you say checking up, I wish I could say that was positive, but it wasn't. He would call maybe once or twice a year. Mm. from jail and he would be begging me for money you know commissary stuff um or be very accusatory saying well you know i pay for your child support so you should be giving me some money Mm. i was like (laughs) so wait a minute you you never met him and it sounds like you barely spoken to him but it seems like the what you what, what you remember is him asking for money um, and then maybe even guilting you into giving you some, giving him some money. Is that right? Yes, that is absolutely right. I never did because I was like, I don't know you. I mean, he would even ask me for my picture because, you know, he did give me a picture of him. But I'm, I'm a very spiritual person and, you know, um, operating in spiritual things and understanding how work curses and curses work. Something told me, do not give a picture of myself to my dad. Hmm. because if he's already hateful as it is and accusatory and well, you could give me some, some money if I gave you child support, then just imagine the word curses he could speak over my picture while he's in jail hmm. or wherever he's at now. So I never returned the favor. Matter of fact, the picture that I did have of him, I threw that away because it's just mostly negative. It was just yeah. begging for money you know, ask how my mom was. And then, you know, would cuss me and her out, even though she has nothing to do with why he's in jail or our relationship. I mean, he just threw her in there because he's bitter. But it was mostly negative. Money, give me some money. You know, and here's the empty promise part. Well, look, look here, baby girl. Once I get out of jail, I promise I'm coming to see you. Just be ready for me. I'm getting out. When I get out, I'm coming to see you. I'll meet you halfway. Me and your aunt Nia, which is his sister, will coordinate, and I'm coming to see you. And I tell you, my friend, every time he would tell me that, I would believe him because, man, this this guy wants to come out of jail and see me. This is my dad. I'm excited to see what my dad looks like, get to know him. I don't care. I just want to get to know my dad. I want to get to know him. And every time he make that promise, he would never keep it. Mm. So even to this day, you know, like I said, he, he was released out of jail in November of 2018. And he called me saying, you know, life is too short. You know, we need to forgive each other and stuff. And he said, where are you at? And I said, I'm in the same place. I'm still in Pittsburgh. I have not moved. I'm here. And when you want to come meet me, I'm here. And he said, okay, all right, well, I'll let you know. And I have not heard from him since. It's what, uh, April 2020? Mm, 
So yeah. yeah, that's that's tough. Uh, just to backtrack a little bit, um, yeah, that that's just just a whole lot. Uh, growing up without him there, um, can what 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 comes to mind when you think of like your like elementary elementary school upbringing? You know that type of life, kind of like in the like K through like fifth grade, you know, uh, time in your life. What what comes to mind with mm. that? Did was he? I mean, obviously he wasn't there, but like, did anything about him stand out in that time, whether good or bad? Wow, that's an excellent question. Um, what comes to mind for me, K through five, I even say K through twelve to be bold. I call it K through hell. Um, because of not having a father presence there, I would say a cons- especially a consistent father figure. Um, my thoughts were, especially in kindergarten, because I remember the, this is so scarring to me. First day of kindergarten, my mom drops me off, and there's you know there's the rest of us kids there. Parents are dropping us off. Sometimes it's the you know mother and father, or mothers or dads, whatever. And as I sat down, I'm crying and I'm crying and I'm crying because I don't want to be detached from my mom. That's She's all I know. But I would hear other kids say, I miss my dad. Mm. Where's my dad? Give me my dad. And I would say to myself, I don't have a dad. What's that like? I wish I was daddy's little girl or I wish I had a dad to call my own. Now, all the way in kindergarten. No, no, pause, pause it right there. Now, that, mm. that's an interesting thought. Now you said, you know, I wonder what's that wonder I wonder what what's that like. It sounds like when you in kindergarten, you really didn't have an understanding of the whole picture. You just knew that, okay, other kids have this dad figure, uh, male guy picking them up, you seeing it. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I don't have one of those. Was it something that you it, I'm sure it ate at you, but you but you didn't sit with it, I guess, at that time to say, okay, I know what's going on. You were just like, well, I just don't have one. I don't know what's going on. Or did you know at kindergarten what the deal was? Or, Well, I would probably say at kindergarten, I didn't know what the deal was. I was just like, okay, you know, my mom dropped me off. Maybe my dad will come out of somewhere. But I just know that was my reoccurring theme. Like, man, where's my dad? What's a dad? What's it like to have a dad? Other kids would talk about their dads or some dads would come and pick up their kids, you know, after we took our naps in kindergarten. And I'm like, well, will that happen to me? Will some guy come pick me up and say, hey, I'm your dad, you know? <laughs> this never happened. <laughs> <laughs> did did uh, Did you ask your mother, like, hey, where's my dad? Or was it you didn't have the, that conversation. You know, to be honest with you, I'll probably say in kindergarten time, I didn't ask her because, you know, even though my brain remembers that like a burning scarf, like if I, you know, got scarred yesterday, I didn't ask her those questions until maybe, um, maybe like, uh, maybe first or second grade, I started inquiring a little bit more. I'm like, Hey mom, you know, where's my dad and stuff like that. And she didn't, dive too deep into the dad conversation like the history of why they're not together and why i don't know them her um excuse me her uh reasoning would be or focus would be hey this is your dad this is your substitute dad my mom was known to have men come in and out of the house a lot and i wouldn't say in the form of being a sleaze or a hoe it was just you know from my understanding now as an adult woman that my mom would date men, but she'd get tired of them after a while. And so she'll just throw them away and try another guy. So when I was in the, the young ages, kindergarten, going through K through, I want to say K through, let me see. I'll say K through 12. I would say she had different guys come and she could date them for a while. And she would say, Oh, this is your dad. Or, hmm. Uh, this one particular gentleman, his name was Lovett, nice guy. Um, he was around a lot more than most of the other men in our lives, but he wasn't 
I don't want to say consistent. It was more, he would stay for a few months and then he disappeared. Then he come back, then disappear, come back. And so my family, my uncles thought that was my dad because we both had the same light skin appearance and stuff like that. And he was more around than the other guys that she was dating. So when I was younger, I was like, well, I may never meet my real dad. So I'll just let this substitute guy be my dad. And I will call them dad. I will call the, the dude's dad or whatever. And some of them sticked around for a little bit. Some of them disappeared and one was just playing crazy where we had to get police involved. Mm -hmm. um, Now, now it sound, it sounded like you would just call the guy's dad, but you knew deep down, these weren't your, these weren't your father. Like these men were not your dad. Um, Mm -hmm. And you knew that all the way. And through like K through, you know, sixth grade and we could even go to 12th grade time you know, upon graduation of high school or whatever, high school mm-hmm. diploma, GED, whatever you, you obtained, um, you st- it was still like a reoccurring thing. It sounds like what I'm hearing is your mom would date these men. It wouldn't work out. And then they would leave or maybe a reoccurring relationship where it would be like a cycle. And yeah. it be- it seems like you just, that became the norm for you. So it's just like, all right, mom, you know. This guy, whatever. Now, how did that shape, like, how you viewed your mom? Like, did you, did she ever break down the relationship with um, herself and your biological father at at some point when you were older? Or was it still something? Because, and the reason why I ask that is because I think that maybe this is in the Black community. Maybe it's not. um, Mm. maybe Maybe it's not exclusive to the Black community. But it seems like family secrets are just family secrets like they won't share like like this big (laughs) thing is like an elephant in a room and no one really talks about it and it's just like well how did this happen with this person but you you know it won't be said like even in even um my parents it's it's like i there's a couple of things i didn't know growing up until later on and i'm just like well i didn't know that you yeah. know, I think that probably would have been important to know at some point, <laughs> you know. Right. Uh, so was it like that with you and your household? Like your mom, she probably didn't tell you or. Um, that is really good. Yes, I have to agree. Um, there, there was a lot of secrets. There was a lot of taboo, a lot of secrets in my family still is. Um, but my mom really didn't break down the dynamics of her and my dad's relationship until I was in maybe my mid twenties. Yeah. He started feeling guilty. You know, um, there was like this guilt or I would say the conviction of the Holy spirit, uh, came upon her. Um, and I, I, you know, for the record, and I never viewed my mom, you know, as a, a hoe or, you know, dysfunctional in a, in a really horrible negative way. Never viewed her that way. When I saw her with different men, I viewed her as a woman that had uh, short patience and did not have the capacity to love. Mm-hmm. And I mean to love unconditionally because she, she, even though she had a variety of men, there were some, a couple of good men that came around us. And when they were here, they, they did take care of us. They took me under their wing as their own which they did not have to. And they had their own set of children from a prior relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were very good men and I, I wanted them to stay, but they had other problems of their own where they had to go. So she just seemed to, to come off as a very conditional person. So I want to just put that for the record there, but I never saw her as a sleaze or anything, but very short tempered and very con- conditional. Like if you don't meet certain conditions with her, then she'll throw you away like some trash. But um, she didn't start breaking down our um, her relationship with my dad until I was in my mid-20s. And she said, sit down. I want to talk to you. Mm. And I said, sure. Okay. So I sat down and she said, I want to tell you the story of, you know, you know, uh, about, you know, uh, your dad and I and how you came to be here. Mm. Now that is, that sounds so powerful to me. Really? It, no, no, no. I'm just saying, like, when if parents would sit down, like, 
just yeah. because it's almost like giving you a history of where you've come from to a certain degree. Like imagine sitting I your do. children down and say, listen, I want to tell you about how you got here. Like yeah. it's almost like, okay, I'm going to tell you about a little bit of the purpose behind why you're here, but it's, it's terrible if you don't even get that. Cause a lot of people don't know who they are, why they're here. And they're just, right. you know, and you know, if you go into like atheistic thought, it's like, Uh-oh. we just, uh, we just mutated. So it doesn't right. matter. Right. So it's, but yeah, so I like the way she framed that. Like, let me tell you about how you've come to be here. I think that would give you a really sense of uh, identity as well. So, but please yeah. go ahead, continue. <laughs> I, I have to agree with you. Well, with, with this identity, it's, it's very scarring. Mm-hmm. So, but it did help with why I, I, I say in a nice way, I'm jacked up today. So when we sat down and um, I have to say before I go in this, that I, when I was growing up, my my uncles would say some horrible things to me. And you know, I wasn't this I wouldn't say I was like the quick witted girl yep. because your I'm uncles still your uncles on which side? I would say my mother's side. On your mother's side, okay. Go ahead. Yeah, I have yet to this day to know my uncles on my dad's side. The only two people I know on my dad's side is my two aunts, Aunt Nia and Aunt Sandy. Mm-hmm. Never met Sandy in person, but I've met Aunt Nia in person. We would go, we would actually go visit her a couple of times throughout the year. Mm-hmm. I haven't mm-hmm. seen her since, but um, uncles on my mom's side would say to me growing up, oh, did you know that your mom wanted to abort you? Did you know that? And I said, uh, my first uncle that told me that, well, man, I don't believe you. I know my mom loves me. Now this is the night, me being naive, but also hey, this is my parent They're supposed to love me. Why would they want to abort me? Right, right. I don't believe you. That was from my first uncle. He would say, she didn't want you. And I said, all right, whatever, don't believe you. Then when another uncle on my mom's side told me out the blue, yeah, your mom never wanted you. I didn't know if you didn't know that. I said, you too? I said, okay, something, someone has to be telling me the truth now because mm-hmm. that's too many people coming out the woodwork mm-hmm. saying, you know, your mom never wanted you. So when my mom sat down with me to tell me about this story of my origin, she said, well, when I first found out that I was pregnant with you, I didn't want you. I said, oh, my uncles was telling the truth. Oh, my God, so hurtful. I mean, I didn't react like that to her in person. This is all my insides I'm showing, you know, I'm sharing with y'all. But um, she said she never wanted me. So that was was the first thing. Um, The reason was because when her and my dad got together, they were they were young. I don't want to say 16, 15. I'm going to say like, you know, early 20s, whatever. Um, and my dad was like known as the pretty boy. You know, my dad, you know, I say light-skinned people, light-skinned problems. Pretty boy, got a couple girls and this and that. And my mom fell for him. And he has some d- decent charm about himself. You know, he would, you know, buy her things, you know, spend time with her. But also, he was spending time with another woman till he had himself a side bay. Mm. At the same time, he messed up with her. And so, when my mom found out about that, she was getting upset. She was, you know, tired of him. And even in times where he said he wasn't messing with the other chick, he was. So, you know, my mom said, make a long story short, you know, she ended up pregnant with me. She found out the other girl was pregnant at the same time. So, I do have a, a half-sister out here in the world I never met. Mm. Um, I would find out about her through my aunt and my, and my dad, when he would call and say, the only thing I know about her is that she's in the Navy. That's all I know. But I know that my half sister disowned my dad because he did her wrong too. My dad has done a lot of people wrong, not just my mother, but he's done his sister wrong. Like even bringing him up in the family, it's taboo. Mm -hmm. It it, it crushes people's soul mentioning his name. Mm -hmm. So I try not to bring him up around family, but, um, yeah. So my mom ended up pregnant with me and my dad did this, some horrible, you know, uh, act with her where he found out that she was pregnant and he said, okay, I'm coming back up to Pittsburgh, which he, he would stay in Maryland a lot. Cause that's where he's from coming up to Pittsburgh. I'm taking care of you and a baby. I'm going to take care of you moving in. We got this. Don't worry. 
And my mom told me something told her that she would never see my dad again because he found out that she was pregnant and she was right. Um, found out my dad never came, either he skipped town or he never came. And we found out, she found out from a mutual family member that he was gone. Mm-hmm. So he, he never came back. So, um, she told me that. And then, you know, she said she was contemplating in her life. You know, she couldn't finish college. She was only 25 years old, could not finish college. And she was having conversations with herself saying, I can't finish college now. I'm pregnant. What am I going to do? I have a baby coming. I need, I need a job. What am I going to do? So she was contemplating abortion and, and, and finding work. And she would tell me some of the most horrifying uh, the, the horrifying, ab- almost near abortion story about me, where she said she would go down to the clinic and she would see all the protesters like, don't kill these babies anymore. You see little signs sticking up and everything. And they're pushing her and she's pushing past them to get into the clinic to sit down and talk to the doctor. And the doctor said, well, look, ma'am, this is the trimester you're in. This is the procedure that we do to get rid of your baby. And she said, she sat there, she heard the whole procedure and she said, "Mm, I don't know if I want to go through this, but it wasn't a 100% in her heart not to do it. It was just the procedure seemed, you know, quite uncomfortable to her. So she pushes out of the clinic past the protester. She goes home and by the grace of God, my grandmother, you know, filled, filled with the Lord. She loves God. Um, raised with a Christian family, mm-hmm. she said to my mom, I'll, don't, she said, don't kill that baby. I will help you raise that child. And so did my aunt, my aunt Esther, God rest her soul, said, I'll help you raise her too. So those, those two ladies are my saving grace while I'm still here because my mom never wanted me. And um, that took me years to forgive her for that. Because like I said, at first, when my uncle told me, I don't believe anything he said, but when the second uncle did, I said, mm, okay, I'm, this is too many people now. And then for years, knowing you've never been wanted, you see it in your, in your parents' actions, you know, from abuse to whatever. I mean, the story goes on. But um, my mom didn't really say too much after breaking down the abortion. My, you know, grandma, aunt wanting me to help her raise me and stuff like that. Um, she would say she never heard from my dad. He would call sometimes. He would call and, and see how I was doing. You know, I think she said he would send me stuff in the mail, but that was it. What was his, uh, I mean, what was his reasoning for not coming? If, you know, day one, he's like, hey, you know, I'm going to come down there. We're moving in and we're going to move in and then and I'm, and I'm going to take care of this baby. We're going to do it together. <laughs> I got you. And then like cut to, he skips town. Like when she spoke to him again, was was she like, what's going on here? Where are you? Or did he give her some reason of why, or I mean, did she share that with you or she didn't share that? You know what? I don't think she shared that with me, but she did say her own conclusion was, because I asked that question. I said, why do you think dad never wanted to, to be up here with us? She said her, her conclusion about that was because he was a pretty boy um, he never, he never was a responsible person. Um, he was a mama's boy. He just didn't want to be responsible. That was her conclusion. I said, okay, well, I'll take it. I mean, he ain't here. It's, it's 20 some years later. I guess that makes sense. But yeah. she probably does. No, she probably did ask him. They probably had fights over the phone, but she never shared that with me though. And I'm glad. I don't need to know. You know? No, no, I understand understand um now i correct me if i'm wrong I, it says here that you came down with a, a, a crohn's disease is it ah yes my arch nemesis so so how did yeah. how when you found out about it um did you tell your father about it or does he know or Yes, actually, when I found out about it, okay, here, here, the, the story gets cooler. So 
when I found out I got Crohn's in November of 2009. And can you explain what Crohn's disease is to people that may not know? Yeah, sorry about that. When you live with an illness for so long, you just like forget to tell people, what is that? So yeah, my apologies. But yeah, Crohn's disease, um, I'll keep it PG, so it gets pretty grotesque. But it is a autoimmune disease. It is when the um, healthy white blood cells in your body begin to attack itself. Now, mostly with Crohn's, it's attacking your GI tract. So anything from your mouth all the way down to your your butt, it, mm. the esophagus, stomach lining, everything that's considered your digestive tract, Crohn's attacks that, it attacks itself. And it doesn't know how to shut off. And so you can lose a lot of weight. Um, for me, I lost a lot of weight over the years. Um, you could be in a hospital all the time. You easily get sick. You could catch anything. I mean, catch colds, anything. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a horrible game changer. And it mostly affects your diet. It's hard to eat foods. It's hard to digest foods. You become overly malnutritioned. It, it is a horrible disease. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And you said it gets cooler. You, you told your dad that you were diagnosed with Crohn's. Yes. And when I, when he called me from one of them times in jail and me and him talked about it, he said, I have Crohn's too. Mm. I said, oh, so I got it from you. And this is how this <laughs> happened. So this was in a period in my life where my dad wasn't calling. He just, I just haven't heard from him. And so when I got diagnosed with Crohn's, my mom find out, I told her, and she was like, that's it. We have to get to the bottom of this. We have to find out why you have Crohn's because on our, my mom's side of family, there are no digestive disorders. Mm-hmm. So she got, she turned into Inspector Gadget, Sherlock Holmes, start calling the other side of the family and started investigating why I have this disorder. And my aunt Nia helped me. My aunt Nia contacted Aunt Sandy. Like I said, my dad's name is taboo. Like mentioning his name to them, it brings up so much hurt and pain. Mm-hmm. But they said, because we love you, you're our niece, you don't deserve this, we'll help you. So what they did was they went through the family history with me and they reached out. My dad's name is Junebug. Mm-hmm. That's his nickname. So they reached out to him, whether he was in jail or whatever, and they found him and they said, you need to call your daughter because she was, she was diagnosed with something. Mm. And I thought this would be like a bonding moment for us. It really wasn't, but it was good to know where the disorder is originating from. And he has it really bad. He had cancer um, years ago from it mm-hmm. and he beat it, but his life has always, has never been the same. It skipped my half sister. She's, you know, you can't be in the military with any type of um, disease or condition because you're, no, you're like a liability mm, to them. Mm. So she's good. And um, I found out my grandfather on my dad's side has had a digestive disorder, but they didn't know what it was. And my grandmother on my dad's side died from stomach cancer. So all the digestive disorders are on my dad's side. So yeah, gotcha. And you said you and your half sister just really quick how many siblings do you have from your fa- father or is it just you and her or you do you have what? other children that is a very good you know i wonder myself because you know he got around um but i from what he told me he said i only have a half sister he never told me your name so that don't help me but he just said she's in the navy and they don't talk anymore but yes mm. so far i know he's only had um another child which was her and then me but i don't know you probably, you probably might have i might have more brothers and sisters out there i don't know that's a good question right right man that's a it's a lot very interesting journey <laughs> uh just just moving along no no this is good stuff i'm just listening and and let you tell it. your story i'm uh, bored nobody no 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 this is good now, my my next uh, area I want to dive into is, so you're growing up, you graduate high school. Um, did you go to college? Yes, I did. Okay, you, um, did you finish school? 
No, unfortunately, something really bad happened to me. Um, I was I was raped. In oh COVID no! So now wait a minute. Put a yeah. pin in that really quick. We could come back okay. to that. Okay. Because it all ties in, I think. I mean, I don't know if it all ties in, but I want to segue into that area. Sure. uh, When it comes to, I know that growing up, um, I'm learning this more and more. I have a son. The best, sometimes the best teaching is just what you model. It's not, Mm. uh, it's not about what you say all the time. And I think sometimes people, I mean, definitely in this day and age, this digital age, we get caught up in what people say, not what people do. You know, right. it's like, uh, you know, talk is cheap. You hear things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's best to model what you're saying, you know, practice what you're preaching and demonstrating it in front of the next Absolutely. generation. Uh, with that being said, um, how did your view of men, how was that shaped by your father, if it was shaped at all? Or like with how like from like liking boys or relationship or intimacy, like do you is it was it was any of that tied to your relationship with your father in, in a in a way? Like did you not trust men because your dad wasn't around? Or did you go ahead? I think that's a wonderful question. You know, I think I'm I'm like the weirdo because most you hear the story or you hear that if a woman a young lady doesn't have a dad in her life as she's growing up then you know she you know gets attracted to the wrong men and stuff like that and i have to say you know i definitely was attracted to the wrong men i'm not saying bad boys i didn't date bad boys actually that was a turnoff for me i mean i mean in high school you know gang stuff was cool but as I grew up and in my what do, adult what do you life, mean? What do you mean gang stuff was cool? What do you mean by that? Oh, so I, I, in, in, in school, I did date a couple of little gang leaders and stuff like that, but oh. it wasn't like serious blood and crips. It was just people, you know, I'm cool. I'm in a gang, bro. And they're not really in a gang. Gotcha. You, you want to be because you want to be a wannabe, gotcha, but gotcha, gotcha. you know, that was as close to a bad boys I got, but yeah, um, yeah. I would probably say my view on men I didn't have a distrust for men. I was actually more open to trying to figure it out myself. So I was attracted to older men. I still am attracted to older men. I love older men. And what um, age range are you, if you don't mind me asking? If you don't no, have to share your I am, age. I am thirty. I am thirty-two. I'll be thirty-three in a couple months. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so you like I'm gonna, older I'm gonna, men. I love older men. Um, okay. Made me attracted to older men. It made me, you know, just want to figure things out for myself. Um, I love being around men. So when I was younger, didn't have a father figure. I said I wanted to figure things out for myself with guys. I was very fast with guys, hung out with guys. Uh, I was known as the game chick, gamer chick. I would play games with guys. We would do tournaments. I was a straight tomboy. So I just went tomboy and... um, how you found me around men more than women. I, I, I Funny thing is, like I said, I think it's backwards for me. I can't stand women. I've always had problems with females. I've always had issues with females being jealous of me or uh, females just never good. So I had a lot of female best friends in school when I was growing up. And then they all deserted me for whatever their reasons were. But I always had consistent guy friends. And I said, I... I'm good, man. Men, men are good. Boys are good. I'm good. But I never had a distrust for men. I saw me leaning towards older men, though. So I was in my 20s, and I started dating a gentleman that was in his mid to late 30s. Um, I was, you know, I was in my late 20s. I dated a guy that was 64. So I mean, you dated a 64 year old. Yes, I've had a couple of 60 year old men. Yes. Oh, you wasn't a kid. You, you like a really old up there. I went, woo, I went way beyond. I went, oh, you know what? I'll figure it out myself. There was something about something about older men and just how just how they are. I'm not saying every older guy's like this, but there's something about their maturity, something about them being solid in their age, you know, that I just found was just very pleasing to me. It sounds like maybe that's like a connection. Like if you're, it seems like your dad was very immature. So you wanted some stability 
And maybe these older men were, was like the example of, hey, I want someone that mm -hmm. has his life together, mature, doesn't play games, you know, lives a life with some sort of standard and things like that versus yeah. your dad that was all over the place you couldn't get a hold of them you know yeah so i i mean i'm 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 like looking at maybe a connection yeah help me with, 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 with you know connecting some dots because i never I, I never really gave it any great thought i kind of just live life and let life blow with, with the wind because I'm, I'm i've been told i'm a free spirit so i kind of do whatever i want mm -hmm. well i don't do that no more because once you give your life to the lord you know your life ain't your own no more right, you know you're right. on god's terms now but um, before that, I was just a free spirit doing whatever I wanted. But I would have to say, yeah, I guess we could say that. You know, I, the older men I ran into seemed to be very, you know, headstrong, settled, and very mature versus my dad, who was always running the streets and got in trouble for cocaine and all that. I was like, uh, that's not attractive. So, so what happened in these relationships? Uh, are you in one of these relationships now? Are you single now? Or... Well, I am single now. Um, I am recently divorced. I'm probably six or seven months divorced now. And I, this is funny. I told myself I would never date younger than me. What did I do? I married younger than me. So my husband, our last husband was about 25, 26 years old and I was in my 30s. And it was based off of a really unfortunate circumstance, actually. Mm. Didn't, I didn't see myself getting married um, anytime soon, I wanted to be married, but it, it was more rushed because me and my mother had a falling out in December of 2017. Um, her rage and jealousy finally came out. She told me how she felt about me. She told me how she was jealous of my husband at the time. And she kicked me out at Christmas. She kicked me out in December, the coldest month of the year kicked me out completely and i'm out on the streets i was out in the streets i was in my car during the day and i was sleeping in someone's um basement at night i'll never forget um but that forced me to to marry sooner than i wanted to because my boyfriend at the time you know we were just dating we were getting to know each other i like courtship a lot but i told myself if i'm gonna be out in the streets and i'm gonna move into an apartment with someone you know, and I and I and I'm very spiritual. I love God very much. I'm, I don't play house. I make my house. I build it. So I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna get married. I'm gonna do the right thing. I'm, I'm gonna make an honest woman out of myself and an honest man out of my husband. So, um, December 2017, kicked out, homeless. Heard people having Christmas upstairs while I was a rat in their basement, cold, hungry, but God made a way. And January of 2018, um, I, you know, got married, officially married, moved into my apartment, and I thank God for it every day because I'll never want to be homeless ever again. It was so horrible, but um, yeah, like that's that's why I was married, and then the marriage was hell. It was hell on earth because my spouse did not want to be married. He wanted to be a boyfriend. And the responsibilities of being a husband, he told me, were too much for him. So Respon started... responsibilities were too much for him. What was what? what, what yeah. Did so him? I'm just curious. No, I, hey, I don't got <laughs> nothing to hide. Shoot. So <laughs> he would tell me. Um, he said money, finances. He said I don't make enough right now to support you or myself. And so that would bother him, even though he did have a, I think he had a very good job. He worked as a medical technician in a laboratory in one of the major hospitals here in Pittsburgh. And he made some decent money, but it wasn't enough money for him because he always had this drive to be an entrepreneur. He wanted to have his own business and make millions of dollars, be a billionaire, whatever, didn't get married. But unfortunately, life always happens and um, it didn't work out that way. So financially, as a man for him, he said he wasn't making enough. So that put a strain on his ego, put a strain on his stuff. I didn't have any problems with that. I'm all about building from dust to scratch to substance. Mm -hmm. I'm all about building from nothing to something. And um, financially, things bothered him. 
Uh, also, I noticed be- because of all my health issues, so I-, I don't just have Crohn's disease. Crohn's was is one of the main arch nemesis in my life, but I have over 22 different illnesses. Mm. And so he saw all of them and it wore him out. Uh. It was too much for him. So not only the financial strain, but also I had a lot of health issues and he loves to travel. He loves to get out and about. He's a, he's a, he's a really extroverted. I'm introverted. So uh, one of his colleagues said, Hey, let's all get like, some plane tickets and go kayak somewhere or go to some island, which I'm like, oh, that's nice. But because of my health conditions, I have to be careful about what food I can eat, the particular water, um, the particular temperature, because humidity or cold or heat uh, is, is really harsh on my body now. So these are things I have to put into in my mind to factor in before I go travel anywhere. And my spouse at the time was like, you know, it makes me mad that I thought I figured out your health, but I didn't. I want to go with these people and I can't go because you're sick. And, we, you know, I said, well, you go without me. I'm not a female that traps you at home. If you want to go out and venture, go ahead. I'll stay home. He said, you're my wife. I can't just keep you home. I said, these are things I have to live with. It don't bother me none, mm-hmm. but it bothered him greatly. And, um, those a lot of a lot of those factors really made our marriage pretty bad and then he started having his own health issues he started having seizures mm. his seizure disorder came back and he started quacking like a duck and talking like a duck he started losing his mind wait a minute like he started like quacking like a like a duck like well it's a saying of you know you're losing your mind you're starting to sound insane oh so. i thought i thought he was really starting to quack like a duck oh <laughs> no no it's just a saying that old heads would say like you know if you, you talk like a duck quack like a duck you're a duck. duck okay gotcha yeah and he he was i mean he would say some things that didn't make any sense uh, he would have mental breakdowns uh, there's times i had to hold him like he was my own son i have no children to this day but um he it was more karma because he did me really wrong in the process of being married to him and trying to survive, get back on my own feet. You know, I was out in the streets. So um, he just didn't want to do it. And I found out he was still talking to his ex too. Oh. So, oh man, it was a mess. But I mean, we- Just to, just to add that into the mix, huh? <laughs> yeah, know, we'll such throw a... that sauce in there, <laughs> all, all that seasoning. But uh, yeah, it was pretty bad. It was a pretty bad marriage, but we, we both- agreed to um divorce he made it hard but god stepped into that to tell him trust me it's better just to divorce than try to keep her because your life's going to get worse and um after that i mean we became decent acquaintances you know we were friendly you know we talked to each other we were better friends than we were uh spouses Mm. so Mm. because of that um like i said about seven months divorce now I did try to get into another relationship, but it didn't work out because I ever just two different people. We were just, we're just two different people. So, um, yeah, single, single. Yeah. Now, now, does your dad know any about any of this or he knows little bits and pieces? I haven't talked, talked to him since November of 2018. So he has missed quite a bit of, out of my life. Um, I did try to reach out to him, but my phone, I guess, just like, well, you don't talk to him anyway, so we'll delete the contact for you. Right, right. And that's exactly what it did. I can't even find his number no more. But no. Oh, so you don't have you don't have his number to to call if you wanted to. No, he has mine, but I don't have his. Is he on like a social media or anything like that, or not really? I've, I've never seen him on social media and he and at the times he would call me he would never say he was it was just mostly him being in maryland with whatever woman he's with taking care of him mm. Mm. now let's revisit college now you said you didn't finish because uh you were raped uh yes. if you're comfortable what what was that like and did you tell your father about that and if so how did he respond that's a great question. Um, well, let's see. I'm trying to remember. Oh, yes. Yeah, so went went to Clearing University in 2006, and um, college was so boring. But I got a 4.0. Didn't matter or anything. Um, I it was someone I was dating, and they thought it was okay to 
have sex. And I'm saying no the entire time. And he just did it anyway. And it was, it was horrible. It's, it's a feeling of you feel so dirty. There's not enough soap in the world to make you feel clean. Mm -hmm. And I felt so dirty and I did everything I could. I did. I went to every authority on camp and campus state authority everything and they all said it's inconclusive because there was no damage done to my body there was no scars no sign of struggle so they didn't believe anything i said and clarion is known to be a very racist campus there's a lot of kkk members up there as well so i had to deal with that and i was alone i mean i have friends on campus i had some some decent friends that were supportive but it was uh freeing to go through all that all, all by myself i had no one the first person I told was my mom. I said, mom, I got raped. And you know what? She didn't believe me. Mm. She said, are you joking? If you're playing around and I'm like, you know what? You're right. I am. She didn't believe me. But when I went to my grandmother, she was so upset. She said, you know, baby, do you want me to come rescue you? I'll come get you from college. I said, grandma, that's okay. Let's just keep it between us. Well, we'll just go to the grave together with this secret. Because my, how did my own parent not believe me? Mm -hmm. So that that stayed in my mind. But um, my when my dad would call, I never he never built enough close bond to me for me to open up and share these horrible experiences. Like my dad ne will, ne will never besides Crohn's, he would never know gra graduation. He would never know about the jobs I have. He'll never know about my CDL that I accomplished. He'll never know about marriage. He'll never know these things because he's never established a bond with me that shows that I can share these intimate things with him. Mm -hmm. Never established it. So he, it was just mostly like, Oh, I'm ta talking to a friend on the phone. Hi, how are you doing? Good. I'm doing good. Okay. How about them Steelers? <laughs> you know, just, just whatever conversation it was. And yeah. Yeah. Now, wow, that, that that's that's a that's a whole lot of um, just ups and downs and twists and turns. Um, but one thing I keep hearing you say um, is how you know God has gotten you through things and things like that. Now, when did your introduction to God come into place, and how's that shaped your life? Oh, that's that's probably one of my favorite favorite turnaround parts of my life. Um, like I said before, I was a free spirit most of my life. I did whatever I wanted to do, which was nothing. And then, um, there was a very good friend of mine. I knew for a couple years, his name was Tony, God bless him. And, uh, I found out that woman he was supposed to be getting married to did some wrong stuff to him and they never got married. And I said, bro, I'm so sorry. You're such a good dude. Like, you know, I loved him. But unfortunately, he used me as a rebound. When I wanted to really be with him, he took his heart and pain and put it on me. And uh, when I thought we had a real relationship, it, it wasn't. It was just to and, get him stronger. And yeah, yeah I, I, I think I've been in that predicament before. Yeah. Where someone's the rebound know, and you really don't like them, but you're lonely. So that's it. And he told me that. <laughs> He told me that to my face because he loved the Lord too. And he said, he, I was wrong for, you know, using you as a rebound. And I, and I would cry. I said, you know, but Tony, I love you. I want to be with you. We have so much in common. We've been friends. Like I know you, but it wasn't real for him. So when he told me he would come back, he never did. He abandoned me. And that is the time, June of 2013, where I stopped eating I stopped sleeping and I met God in my bedroom and I said, God, this man ain't coming back. You got my attention. What mm -hmm. do you want from me? And I've been with the Lord ever since. And mm -hmm. I've, and I never turned away. It, it took rejection. It took abandonment. It took me losing things that I thought I had. People letting me go leaving things behind to get to, to get to the ultimate goal, which is God himself. And that journey has been so precious to me. It's, it's gotten me through the, the health issues, the diseases, the, um, 
being out on the streets to the very bad relationship I have with my mother. Me and her are on, on, are on better terms now, but things will never be the same. You can forgive someone, but you'll never forget what they did. And my mom and I had like that uh, cycle of abuse and honeymoon. There's those stages in domestic violence where you're with this person and then there's the abuse stage and there's the honeymoon phase and then there's the abuse stage and it's the cycle. And that's the cycle that me and my mom had. We would be okay for a while and then the abuse would come. And then there's times I ran away from home. There's, there's times I stayed with my grandmother and my aunt to be away from her. I mean, she would abuse me so bad where there was marks on my body and I had to report her to the school. And she was like, oh, you report me to the school now because I'm beating you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it, it was, it was pretty rough, but, um, my journey with God is what's keeping me. I mean, it's been, it's been, it's been rough. It's been great. I tell people, if you tell God, yes, say yes to him, but there's another side to that. Yes. I always tell people there's a dark side of Christianity. You know, I know friends that have never went through half the horrible things I've been through in my life. Like they have the, the light side. They have the good side of the force where they have great parents. They have a college education. They're happily married. They got kids. They just have a great upbringing. I mean, I, I listen to their stories and they're like, oh yeah, my parents love me and blah, 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 blah. That's great. Hey, Rock, tell us about your background. You got a glass of wine? You got some fun yet? I, I, I'm going to tell you a story. When it hit, here you go. And it's like, I don't want to hear your story. So One of my friends told me recently, they said, if I was you, I would have killed myself by now. Mm -hmm. And he was, he was very honest about that. He said, my story is really bad. So um, it's God that gets me through, man. Oh, it's yeah. it's and you know that if, I love I love that you said that because it's really it's refreshing to hear. I, I think I, I like hearing stories like yours because it shows the power of um, you know what I believe or the power of God. Mm. Because it's not just head knowledge; it's it's about something that happens to you that I don't think words could do it justice. Um, and a lot of times people grow up in the church and they have the mm -hmm. parents that do X, Y, and Z and they walk away and things, but they really haven't gone through anything to be brought out of. They kind of get the light yeah. side, the, the, like you said, the light side of it. And they think, oh, this is all there is. Well, I'm going to do whatever. It's like, well, no, I mean, you've been blessed to have parents that actually walked it to make your lives a lot more successful than theirs was. Cause I'm sure if you had kids, you wouldn't want them to go through the same thing you did. So, oh, no. so it's, so that's the thing. And I think sometimes we might take that for granted. Um, but mm. you know, it's really refreshing hearing that you have found God and um, it's really changed your life because it seems like abandonment and pain it's been like an ongoing thing. Like your dad abandoned you. Then this close friend seems to abandon you. And then, you know, it seems like you're, you and your mom, maybe some hurt and pain and abandonment there kicking you out. And it's just like, you know, mm -hmm. and then on top of that, your mom's saying she didn't want you. So it, it's almost <laughs> like, no, I'm not yeah. trying to come at you, but it just seems oh, like. No, I'm, I'm sorry. I have to, I have to tell people. <clears throat> How I deal with trauma is like, okay, I have like sometimes the craziest sense of humor. It's very dark because I've been through so much crazy stuff in my life. So I'll laugh about things that are painful to others, like not at them, but what my what I just said to you is absolutely painful to most people. But to me, I'm laughing because I, that's just, I just learned to cope with it that way, you know? Oh yeah, I, I, do, I do the same thing. It's, it's, it's really um, something, but it shows great strength in you surrendering it all because I've, I've i've been through something like that too where yeah. um like i would make girlfriends my idol and yeah. if it didn't work out it i would really take it a, in a in a bad way and i think i came at the end of my rope too where it's like i can't do this anymore i'm tired of this and uh you feel like worthless um but yeah. You know, it, it takes that strength of God to 
to bring you out of those situations. Um, but but yeah, I I just want to, you know, I thank God for you coming on and, and sharing. Let me see if I have anything else because I, I think I might ask all the questions I had. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that that's pretty much it. Um, so you do ministry now and mm-hmm. and your life seems to be in a better place and you're just going forward and things like that now let me ask you this question have you when's the last time you spoke to your father you said a few months ago or i wish it was a few months ago no it was november 2018 okay okay yeah um have you forgiven your father i would say i have i would have i would definitely say i have and it's hard. It's like, have you told him that? Yes. In November, I, we did forgive each other. We definitely did. But I don't think I hated him from not being in my life. I never, when he first called me years ago, I never said, I hate you because you were never in my life. It's sad because it's like, I never known him or built a bond where hate could be placed. Mm-hmm. It's just, he was just a, a voice, a figure, a, a figure I would never meet. And I was upset that he wasn't in my life, but I never hated him or had any type of unforgiveness. It was like I had to deal with unforgiveness with my mother more than my dad because I never knew him. I'm just like, well, whoever you are, you just you're to me. You could be a robocall and you're right in the phone. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Mm -hmm. Now, now, I mean that that's probably a a topic for another show or podcast about your relationship with your mom on the mother's table, (laughs) but. But yeah, I, I was just saying forgiveness in the sense of like not like protecting you, guarding your heart, um, mm-hmm. being there. Not saying you hated him for it, but just like just not being equipped to 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 take care of his responsibilities. Because I mean, no parent is perfect except God. Right. But it's it's like if there's anything that that it just has you in a state of unforgiveness. I mean, it doesn't have to be you hate him, but um, just anything of just not, I guess, putting you, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Ahead of the mm-hmm. curve, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, uh, have you forgiven him for that? Like, you know, dad, I know you did the best with what you had to work with or whatever you were doing, but I forgive you for going to jail, for making these silly mistakes and, or just doing something silly, or for, you breaking promises. That's a really good question, but it's like I don't think I ever had any unforgiveness towards him. And even though you're absolutely right, I I, I probably the normal person would probably feel like you never protected me. You know, you you abandoned me and my mom and stuff, and we had to struggle on our own. But you know, I came to the realization when I was young that the reason why the Lord did not allow my dad in my life is because God knew that he would be more of a detriment than what I was already set up to go through. And when I saw it in that mature sense at a young age, it made me be appreciative of the fact that he was not in my life. I think I wanted more of the father stable figure more of the figure in relationship rather than the man in himself. Mm-hmm. Because he was, from what I heard from family and sisters, and my, he was a no good person. So I'm like, I don't think we, no one wants a, a, a good for nothing in their life if they can have that option. So I'm not mad at him that he never was there to protect me or anything because it had been me trying to protect myself from him because he was no good. Mm. And that's why I was able to, not be so hurt that he himself was not there, but I was more hurt of the fact in general that I was never protected. I was never covered. I was never loved still to this day. And I never will. I'll never be able to experience what it means to be daddy's little girl. I'll never know what that is. I hear the sayings. I see this. I see it mm-hmm. with friends and stuff, but I'll never experience it for myself. So I think I'm more upset at the, having that opportunity stolen from me, never given to me, 
versus being upset that the man himself chose not to do it. I think God really spirit. I, we dodged a matrix bullet with him not being in my life. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, Rocky, thank you for coming on to the Father's Table podcast. Is there any last thoughts you want to share with our audience before we depart? Absolutely, man. Um, it was a it was a pleasure, um, you know, just sharing my my journey with you guys. I hope it helps someone. Um, I think it's absolutely absolutely important to have the respectable places of a mom and dad in a young person's life. We all need that. That's the, that's the normal, that's healthy. And that's what God originally designed for us to have. That's the family unit. God doesn't want us to have a, a mom with a daughter, a mom with a son or a dad with a, a, a daughter and a son, but he's, he wants a unit. He wants the family unit to be together. So I'm all for that. But I come from another side where if, you weren't were never given that opportunity from birth you know praise god that there is a divine family you know there there is divine family there's spiritual family god will set you up with people you're not even blood tied to that can be your substitute mother and dad and whatever and i have experienced a couple of spiritual parents even though they have not worked out to the benefit that i would have wanted they were helpful when, when they were there at the time. So just, I just want to say, be encouraged. You know what I mean? Thank God for those that never experienced the stuff I went through. Don't ask for it. You know, the crown is hard to bear, but for those that are suffering through what I went through or even worse, you know, just know that God got you and he will give you that divine family where you can, you know what? I may not have the, the perfect family, but I do have a friend I could call home or someone that I'm close to. And that's enough for me. And I do have two people in my life I'm very close to. Of course, they're men. I do not get along with women. That's a whole other story for another time. But thank God for the men in my life that are that are the coolest bros in the world. And um, they mean the world to me. So I'm thankful for my divine family. <laughs>